Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to us today. I think the strength of that song is found in the fact that you are faithful to us, Lord, even when we are not faithful to you. We are real and honest in this room, Lord. We have not always been faithful to you. This week, we can point to many times we were unfaithful to you. But yet you've remained faithful to us. And Father, we thank you today. And the the greatest display of your faithfulness to us is the fact that you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So Father, it is him that we rejoice in. It's him that we give honor and praise to today. Lamentations 3 says, every single morning we are met with new mercies. So Lord, before our feet hit the floor this morning, you smacked us in the face with mercy. And we thank you today for it. We worship you today for it. We do not sit quiet today. But we realize, oh God, that it was not, if it was not for your mercy and for your grace, we would have died a long time ago. And deserved to die a long time ago. But God, you are a faithful God full of mercy and full of grace and we thank you this morning in Christ's name we pray amen well good morning epiphany it is good to be gathered here with the people of God singing the praises of God uh, I, I grew up my, my father bounced you know bounced us around quite a bit because he was in the military I grew up uh, one of the places I grew up was in uh, Jacksonville North Carolina and I attended a church while there called First Baptist of Jacksonville and every single Sunday, the choir would march in from the back, and they would march into the choir stand. Y'all ever grew up in a church like that? They'd march in. Deacon Tillery led the choir, and he was the, he was the livest thing walking in. And they would sing the exact same song every Sunday morning to begin. Y'all ever heard the song, Glad to be in the service, Glad to be in the service, Glad to be in the service one more time. He didn't have to let me live. And, you know, for some reason, that song has birthed in my heart the gratitude and uh, even the, 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 the just uh, excitement about being gathered with God's people. And we get to do that not once but twice on a Sunday morning. And I'm grateful to God for his faithfulness and allowing us to be here. And we, we are gathered here, yes, to worship Jesus through song, but we also worship Jesus through the word of God. So why don't you guys indulge me and grab your Bibles and meet me in Nehemiah. I'm excited to preach today. Uh, I'll give you a chance to get there. Nehemiah is not a book that we've gone through here, and so uh, I'll give you a chance to get there. It's in the Old Testament. As you're turning there, this Thursday, I'm, I'm going to be traveling to Chicago to, um, to teach at a, somebody says Chi-Town, to teach at a, uh, a conference called the Legacy Conference, and I'm excited to teach because I, I get to teach on a topic that I'm excited about. It's how to cast a compelling vision. I will be back here on Sunday morning for our family and friends day. Uh, but I'm excited to go there and teach on this topic of how to cast a compelling vision. And I'll spend time unpacking what a vision is and how to get people on board to execute that vision. Uh, also over the last couple of weeks, I have been uh, working with the content team from one of our networks, Acts 29, and uh, the Gospel Coalition website. I've been working on a article uh, article on how to cast a compelling vision. And so because of the, these two events, these two topics, uh, really the same topic, because I've been in such preparation and been thinking about and been praying about how to cast a compelling vision, I've spent a lot of time over the last several weeks in the book of Nehemiah. And I've been using the book of Nehemiah in my devotional time. And the reason I have been doing that is because this is just personal to me. 
that nobody in Scripture, in my opinion, casts vision outside of Christ. Nobody casts vision as clear and compelling as Nehemiah. I mean, you look at Nehemiah 1. He's standing before the king, and the king asks him, what do you need? And he begins to cast vision to the king. And as he's casting vision to the king, he's telling him, listen, the walls of Jerusalem are broken down. Babylonians came in and they, they took our people captive. And when we came back to the land, the walls stayed broken down. And so I have a desire to go back and rebuild those walls. And Nehemiah is so dope in how he casts vision that the king ends up going into the king's forest and getting lumber for him to build the wall again. And he got so much lumber that he ended up building not just the wall, but a personal house for himself so that he could build the wall. He also obtains from the king letters in order to travel to Jerusalem safely. And so, uh, you know, Nehemiah, and then you get to Nehemiah chapter 2. In Nehemiah chapter 2, he finally gets to Jerusalem, and he's casting vision to the residents and exciting them to build the wall. He's a man that is full of vision and casting vision. And so I've been excited to work through Nehemiah in my personal time. But as I'm working through and preparing for how to cast a compelling vision, I got stuck in chapter four. So if you can meet me in chapter four, I got stuck there and I'm not talking about vision today. I got stuck there because there is something else that I think the Lord was dealing with me with. And I want to present it to you this afternoon. So if you could pick me up in verse six, Nehemiah four, verse six says this. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. Please underline this phrase. For the people had a mind to work. But when Sambalad and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Verse 10. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much trouble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Verse 11. And our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. If you could do me a favor and jump down to verse 14 with me. And I looked and I rose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. If you could do me a favor and just run back to verse 10, that is going to be the, the, the highlight of our time together today. Verse 10, in Judah, it was said the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There was too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not rebuild the wall. I want to preach this afternoon from the topic entitled dealing with discouragement dealing with discouragement let us look to the lord father in this short prayer i simply want to echo the words of samuel in first samuel third first samuel three speak lord for your servants are listening it is in christ's name in christ's name alone we pray let everybody say amen, amen. dealing with discouragement i'm told of a fictitious story of a day that the devil decided to have a garage sale. And on the, on, at this sale, he laid out all of the tools that he used to get the people of God off of track. He laid them out and displayed them and had price tags on all of his tools. And on the table of the display, there was the tool of hatred. 
And there was envy and there was jealousy and sensuality and deceit was on the table. But there was a tool that was on the table, but it was the, the tool was distant from the rest of the tools. And this one tool was more worn than any other tool. This one tool was higher priced than any other tool. A customer came in to buy some of the tools and he asked Satan and said, what is this tool that's sitting by itself and it's more worn and it's higher at price than any other tool? And the devil answered, that is the tool of discouragement. So the customer says, well, why is it priced so high and why is it so worn out? He said, because I use that tool more than any other tool to get the people of God off of track. I've used that tool to pry open the hearts of men and women that have trusted in Jesus and got them way off track using this one tool. Reality is, even though that's a fictitious story, it is reality that discouragement has caused a lot of people to go left when they should have been going right. The devil did not sell the tool that day because he still uses the tool of discouragement to throw you and I off of track. Here's the reality. Some of you have unfinished projects that are sitting on your kitchen table, and it's unfinished due to discouragement. Some of you in this room were started writing that business proposal, but you begin to look at the cost and the loans and got denied and discouragement set in, and so you never finished writing the business proposal. You never actually acted on what the Lord has placed on your heart because you were discouraged. And it's even in minute areas. Some of you have abandoned a diet that you felt like you should have been on, and you've abandoned it because you got discouraged. And when you got discouraged, you developed bad eating habits. It shows up in so many areas of our life, and even major areas of our life. Some of you, it might be parents in this room that have given up on their child because of discouragement, because the child is facing so many challenges, you don't know what to do. You got discouraged and you gave up. For others of you, it's a marriage in here. You are ready to exit the marriage right now because you're discouraged. Discouragement has a way to getting to all of us. Well, the people of God in the text today are dealing with the same discouragement. What's interesting is, I'm trying to figure out what took place between verse 6 and verse 10 that caused them to be discouraged. What happened? I mean, look at verse 6. It literally says at the end of it, the people had a mind to work. And then verse 10 says the strength of those who bear the burdens are, is failing. What happened between verse 6 when the people had a mind to work and verse 10 where the strength of the people is failing? I'll tell you what happened. Discouragement. They got discouraged, and getting discouraged threw them off track. Here's what we'll do in our time, uh, our short amount of time together this afternoon. I'll work through five lessons on discouragement, and then I'll give one remedy for discouragement. Five lessons, and if you're a note taker, if you're taking notes on paper, if you put it in your phone, you're gonna, you, you really need to write down these five lessons on discouragement and the one remedy. We'll work through each of them. Let me put my cards on the table with that, that I'm going to preach a little bit uh, more abnormally today than I really usually preach. Usually if it's 6 to 10, I'm reading verse 6 and we're working our way through it consecutively, but we're not going to do that today. I'm going to spend the bulk amount of the time almost preaching backwards. I'm going to use verse 10 as a platform and then we'll work our way back to verse 6. Here's the first lesson. You can write this one down. If you're going to dismantle discouragement, you have to accept the reality that discouragement happens to everybody. Don't miss this. Nobody in this room is exempt from being discouraged. 
it, let's just take a poll in this room. How many people have ever gone through real seasons of discouragement? Okay, let me ask it another way. How many people are going through discouragement right now? Got my hands up today. All of us in this room have experienced those moments where we're going through discouragement. So it behooves us to figure out why. How do I know all of us will go through discouragement? Look at verse 10. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There is too much rubble by ourselves. We will not be able to rebuild the wall. Here's the question. Where did the discouragement pick up at? In Judah. This is important for you to know. Because Judah is a place, is a, is a kingdom that often was faithful to God even when Israel wasn't. Okay, let me do a little work here. In 931 B.C., after the death of Solomon, the kingdoms broke off into two different kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom, which was called Israel. Then there was the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. The ones who are discouraged right now is Judah. Why is that important? Because Judah was a faithful kingdom. Let me put it this way. Every king, with the exception of the first king, Saul, every king came out of Judah. David came out of Judah. Solomon came out of Judah. King Uzziah came out of Judah. King Hezekiah came out of Judah. Zedekiah came out of Judah. Jehoshaphat came out of Judah. And if you remember back to our series on the book of Habakkuk, remember Habakkuk wasn't just a prophet anywhere. He was a prophet in Judah. Okay, maybe Christ will wake us up this afternoon. Even Christ is nicknamed in the book of Revelations as the Lion of Judah. Judah is a place that was faithful. But here's what's crazy. Judah is discouraged. And if Judah is discouraged, you and I are not exempt from going through discouragement. You will not be able to fight against discouragement and, dis and dismantle discouragement if you do not think you will have discouragement in your life. Reality is, I don't care who you are, I don't care how spiritual you are, I don't care how much you pray, I don't care how much you can quote scripture, I don't care if you've walked with the Lord for 50 years, you are a prime candidate for going through discouragement. Because Judah in our text took their eyes off of God and put their eyes on so many other places. And when they did that, discouragement came in. Here's the first lesson that you should, you should have wrote down. The lesson that the text teaches us is that no one is exempt from discouragement. All of us will have it. Here's the second lesson. Discouragement is a spiritual issue, not an emotional one. Please don't miss this because we think that, he, that our emotions and discouragement is just something in our emotions. You know the devil don't care nothing about your emotions. He wants to break your relationship with God. And so when I read this text, it's not as explicit, and if you'll allow me a moment to work and show you that ultimately the discouragement in the text was to break their relationship, not to break their emotional state. In fact, here's what John chapter 10, verse 10 will say. The enemy comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He don't care about your emotions. He wants to break your relationship. He wants to break your relationship with the, wall, with the Lord. Here's how I know that, the, that discouragement isn't just an emotional issue, but a spiritual one. Because the rebuilding of the wall in the text is not, they're not rebuilding it just to stop invading enemies from killing the people, the residents of Israel. That's not why they're in Jerusalem. That's not why they're building the wall. They're building the wall ultimately so that they can get back to right relationship with the Lord. Let me work and, and try to make this a little bit more clear. When I was in Jerusalem, there's Jerusalem 
And then there's ancient Jerusalem or old city Jerusalem. And if you look, you can see it from afar. When you see old city Jerusalem, it's surrounded by a wall. You have to go through the gates in order to get in. There is no other way. There's high, tall walls that you can't just get over. You literally have to walk through the gates. But here's what's interesting. Inside of the gates is the temple. What happened in the temple? This is the place where public reading took place. This is the place where the sacrifices took place so that they can get in right relationship with the, wall, with the Lord. If the wall was the prime reason for the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah would have been over in chapter 6 because the wall is done in chapter 6. But Nehemiah goes on to chapter 13. You know how I know that it's about the relationship with the Lord, not just merely building a wall and not just merely emotions. Here's how I know, because the wall is completed in chapter 6. But in chapter 8, Ezra says, bring the book of the law. And when he brings the book of the law, the Bible says they read it day and night. They just sat and read the word of God, read scripture. Rebuilding the wall was the tool that the Lord used to ignite the people's relationship back to the word of God. So what am I saying? The discouragement that you're feeling isn't just to mess over you emotionally. He wants to throw you so off track. The enemy, he wants to throw you so off track that you lose your relationship and you're detoured from the public reading and detoured from trusting in the Lord. That's why the enemy's after you. And why is this so important? Because if you think it's an emotional issue, not a spiritual one, you'll look for human solutions in order to deal with your discouragement. The only way to deal with discouragement is to apply the gospel to it. It's a spiritual issue. It is not only a emotional issue. There's something else in verse 10 that I think we should pick up. Verse 10 says, in Judah, it was said that the strength of those is uh, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. This is this is so key. And this is so practical. I wish I had something deeper. Listen to me. What's interesting in this text is they are susceptible to discouragement because they're overworked. Did, did you see that? The Bible says that the strength of those that is bearing the burdens is failing. In other words, some of you, the deepest thing you can do to fight discouragement this week is take a nap. That's the deepest thing you can do this week. Somebody tired, somebody worn down, somebody broke. But the deepest thing you can do is leave early. Go home and sleep. Take a vacation. Somebody say, I need a vacation right now. Listen, we try to be so deep on fighting discouragement. Their strength is failing because they're overworked from building the wall. You need to take a break. Sometimes you need to disconnect, disconnect from people, disconnect from social media. Sometimes you need to disconnect so that you can connect with the Lord. Here's what Jesus says to the disciples in Mark chapter 6, verse 31. He says, come away by yourself to a desolate place. And then he says, and rest a while. Some of you just need to rest. I had a busy week this week. I mean, it was, it was busy. I, was, I had phone calls. I had meetings. I, had, I was sermon prepping. I was preparing for uh, the, the conference next week in Chicago. And so I just had a busy, busy weekend. Some of the days I worked was long days, and I was looking forward to the weekend. Had some errands to run yesterday, I, I, but I was tired, but I, I knew I needed to run these errands. I had errands to run in the city. I heard Childish Gambino was down at Fort Greene Park, and I wanted to swing down there. But I literally, kid you not, I woke up and literally went right back to sleep. I spent my day yesterday watching movies 
and sleeping. And I'm not talking no cat nap. I'm talking my mouth was open and I was drooling. You, you know you're in a good sleep when your mouth open. And you, you ever been on the train? I, I saw somebody in here on the train. I, my mouth was open. I was sleeping on the train. What you need to do, and here's what's crazy. After resting all day yesterday, I woke up this morning and felt refreshed. One of the brothers asked me, how you doing? I'm like, I'm great. I felt good. I, I feel like I'm prepared for Sunday. I'm ready for the week. I'm ready to go to Chicago now. The point I'm making is I rested. And resting is not being un unproductive. I was actually productive because I fought discouragement yesterday. Some of you in the, you are tired and that's why you're discouraged. You are tired and you make yourself open to the attacks of discouragement. What you need to do, you need to rest. You need to sleep. You need to disconnect. The Bible says that the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. Here's the lessons so far. Lesson number one. No one escapes discouragement. All, it, all of us will deal with it. Lesson number two, discouragement is a spiritual issue, not an emotional one. Lesson number three, lack of rest opens us to the possibility of discouragement. That's what we just talked about. Lesson number four, stop focusing on the obstacles. We're still in verse number 10. Watch verse 10. In Judah, it was said that the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. Look at what it says. There is too much rubble. Judah looks at the rubble and says, we can't work anymore because there's too much rubble. Here's the thing you should be asking. When did the rubble get there? Like the rubble didn't, they didn't go to work one day, work a full day work, go home, and then the enemy knocked the, knocked the wall down. That's not what happened. The rubble was there the whole time. How do I know that? Because the rubble was there. The rubble in the text talks about the rubble from when uh, the Babylonians took over the city and they knocked the wall down. And here's what's crazy. Verse 6 says that they almost finished the wall. It was halfway done. And it was halfway done with the rubble there the whole time. In other words, they ignored the rubble the whole time and they were building and they focused on the work. But as soon as they started looking at the obstacles and not looking at the work, discouragement came in. And some of you in this room, your issues is that you're dealing, you're, you're dealing with is looking at everything else around you. Let me tell you something. When God calls you to do something, here's what I can promise. There's always going to be obstacles. There's never, like the road to God's calling is not void of obstacles. It has obstacles, and, and we're supposed to learn from them not focus on them. But what, does they, what do they do? Judah, instead of focusing on the Lord, decides to focus on the obstacles. And whenever you take your eyes off of the Lord, off of the Lord's work, and put your eyes on the obstacles around you, discouragement will happen. It just will. I read a quote earlier this week that said, even a penny can block the sun if it's too close to your eyes. Like, consider that. A, a penny can eclipse the sun if, it's, if the focus is in the wrong place. And the problem with us in this room is we're discouraged because we're putting our focus on areas that we shouldn't put our focus on. The Bible says they looked at the rubble and said, it's too much rubble. Wait, but you built half the wall, verse 6, and the rubble was there the whole time. But somewhere in between verse 4, I mean verse 6 and verse number 10, they begin to look at the rubble. Let's Make this practical. Some of you in here need to refocus, re reposition your focus. 
You've given up on that business plan because you looked at the obstacles. You looked at the rubble. Yeah, you got denied the, the loan that you wanted to get. But you let that stop you as though the Lord isn't the Lord of all things. So in other words, you looked at the obstacles and you took your eyes. So some of you, God has called you to do certain ministries and you took your eyes. You looked at your own gift and said, I'm not qualified. Let me help you. You're not. Like you're not like you think I'm qualified. I'm not qualified. But there is a God that takes weak stuff and uses weak stuff for his glory. Bible says that they took their eyes off of the work, off of the wall that God has called them to work on through Nehemiah and put their eyes on the rubble. Despite the fact that the rubble is there the entire time. Here's the lesson. Lesson one, no one escapes discouragement. Lesson two, discouragement is a spiritual issue, not an emotional one. Lesson number three, lack of rest opens us to the possibility of discouragement. Lesson number four, stop focusing on the obstacles. Here's the fifth and final lesson, and then we'll talk about the remedy. Fifth lesson, discouragement often comes through opposition. Look at the text, verse six. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Here's opposition. But when Sambalad and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. Verse eight. And they plotted to come together and to fight against Jerusalem. There's opposition and cause confusion. Jump down to verse 11 with me. And our enemies said they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. Judah began to look at the opposition instead of looking at their God. How do I know that? Because they're listening to their enemies. Notice no actions happening here. They're not actually invading them. All they, they lost track and got discouraged because they heard that their enemies we're talking against them. And here's what I can tell you. You know, I've been, I've personally been going through Nehemiah for, for the last few weeks in my devotional time. I encourage you to go through Nehemiah, all 13 chapters. It is a very, very rich book. I encourage you to go through it. But one, one of the things you'll find out when you're going through it is that their enemies talk a whole bunch. They talk the whole book. I mean, Tobiah and Sambala, we're introduced to in chapter two. They talk the entire time. No action. All talk. There is no, listen to me, there is no recordings in Nehemiah of an actual attack. There is no recordings of any type of war that broke out in the book of Nehemiah. The entire time they're building, the entire time they're building, the enemies are talking. And some of you in this room, you've got thrown off track because you heard what others said about you. You heard her say she ain't qualified for that job. And so you got discouraged and didn't even apply. So some of you heard people say you ain't ever going to get that loan. And if you do get the loan, you don't have the people that can help you. You don't have wisdom to do this business. And some of you have lost fire and passion because of people talking. Sam Ballin and Tobiah talk the whole time. But whole, the whole time they're talking, one of the things I love about Nehemiah, there's another part of Nehemiah that Sam Ballin and Tobiah say, come down and talk with us and and, and Nehemiah's like, I don't have time. Like, I'm so serious. He, he's like, I don't have, like, it almost sounds funny. He's like, I don't have time. I'm rebuilding the wall. And that's what you need to get. 
You need to stop listening to the chatter and the talk of other people because that is causing discouragement in you. But one of the things I can promise you about discouragement and opposition, your greatest opposition isn't people. Can, can I promise you that? Your greatest opposition is Satan himself. Like, the devil is real. The devil is powerful. But wait for it. The devil is defeated. Like, you do know the devil is defeated. Like, I, I'm not stating here, I'm not stating a promise. I'm stating a fact. I'm not saying the devil will be defeated. I said he is defeated. I'm not looking forward at a time that he's going to be defeated. If I look back at the cross, he's already defeated. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ, he not only bore my sins and crushed them, at the cross of Jesus Christ, he not only gave me his righteousness, at the cross of Jesus Christ, he not only reconciled a sinful man and a holy God, at the cross of Jesus Christ, he crushed your enemy, Satan himself. The, the cross acted as a sledgehammer, and he bashed the enemy across the head with it. And so you and I that are sitting in this room, we don't serve a weak pass of God. We serve a victorious God. Ephesians chapter 6 is it this way. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against rulers and against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Your greatest opposition isn't people. Your greatest opposition is the enemy, but the enemy that is your opposition is already defeated. Don't miss this. Amen. It sounds so simple. I know you hear it every week, but it's so you need to hear it again. Amen. That the enemy that is fighting you is already defeated. And God already took the sting. Let's put it this way. I'm told of a story of a young boy. He had a severe allergy, severe allergy to bee stings. He's in the backyard with his father. His father's cooking out, has the music playing, and there's a bee that comes into the yard. And the father's just flipping burgers. And father sees the bee come by the boy. Father doesn't move. He's just flipping burgers. And the, the, the little boy is like, like getting nervous, getting anxious, getting scared. And he's like, Daddy, aren't, aren't you concerned that this bee is going to sting me? And the father says, no, son, I'm not worried at all. Because that same bee just stung your brother and his stinger is already gone. Don't miss the gospel implication to that story. Jesus Christ already took the sting for you. And so you and I in this room don't have to worry about the sting of our enemy, uh, of our opposition. Jesus took it for you. So you and I get to walk in victory, not because you're, vi you're victorious in your own merit, but because Jesus Christ is victorious. Here's what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Oh, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is already victorious. Jesus has already defeated your opposition. So we don't have to worry. You don't have to let discouragement creep in because of the enemy he's already defeated. Okay, Pastor, I, I got you. You've given me five lessons to think about as it relates to uh, uh, discouragement. Now you got to give me a remedy because I, I still feel discouraged. I need a remedy. I know how to identify my areas of discouragement. What am I supposed to do with those areas? Well, what I love about Nehemiah is Nehemiah sees the discouragement happening in Judah. And so in verse 14, he calls everybody together and he gives them the remedy in order to deal with their discouragement. Look at verse 14. We'll end here. Verse 14. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people. Here's two commands. First one, do not be afraid of them. 
But the second one is what I want to lift up to you. Remember the Lord. The remedy, it sounds so simple. The remedy in order to deal with your discouragement is remembering the Lord. In other words, for him to say remember the Lord means they forgot. And some of you in this room that are, you're dealing with discouragement right now, you're probably dealing with it because you forgot who God is. Well, who is God? Who who is this God that you are talking about? Who is this God I'm supposed to remember? I'm glad I don't have to make this up. I love the Bible because the text is going to answer it for us. Look at what the Bible says about God. The same verse. Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord. Here's who God is. Who is great and awesome. Our God that we serve is great and awesome. When I read this earlier this week, I said, God, I would have taken either one of those. The Bible could have said he was great and I would have still worshipped him. The Bible could have said he was awesome and I still would have worshipped him. But the God that we serve isn't only great or awesome, he's great and awesome. And so the opposition you feel, the discouragement that has crept into your life can be solved. The remedy for it is remembering the Lord who is great. Remembering the Lord who is awesome. How many know that we do serve a great and an awesome God? Listen to me. If you're ready to throw in the towel right now and you're ready to give up, you're discouraged, remember the Lord. That business plan that I said is sitting on your kitchen table unfinished, remember the Lord. That project that you started working on and you stopped working on it because you got discouraged, remember the Lord. That ministry that the Lord has called you to, that you gave up on, somebody needs that ministry, remember the Lord. Whatever it is, and maybe you feel stuck in life. If you're discouraged because you feel stuck in life, the Bible says, remember the Lord. Why do I got to remember him? Because he is great and he is awesome. I, I want to end by simply praying. I was going to call an altar to call together and, and all of us get on the altar and pray about our discouragement. But I realized this, this afternoon, everybody in here is on the altar. You know how I know? Because all of us have dealt with, are dealing with, or we're about to deal with discouragement. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Not naive. Some of you are off track. So some of you are off track. You know what the Lord has called you to do, and you're off track. Some of you have listened, listened to individuals and other people, and because of what they've said to you and what they shared with you, you begin to get discouraged. I don't want to. I don't want to act like what you dealt with or what you're dealing with isn't traumatic. It probably is. Here's what you need to do. Remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome. Some of you are in the midst of counseling. You're in the midst of therapy. Like, I'm not against counseling or therapy. Go to it. But I promise you, one of the remedies that you need is to remember the Lord. Father, I pray for every person in this room because I realize that every person in this room has dealt with discouragement. Father, would you, would you give us back that passion that we had when we first started what you called us to? There is not a person in this room that is not gifted and qualified to do something. You've called us all to do something for your kingdom. Father, we need the strength of you. As the text says, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. Somebody in this room, their strength is failing. They're tired. They're ready to give up. They're ready to give up on that marriage, that ministry, that business. Father, I'm thinking back to last week when we walked the streets and prayed, and we prayed for local businesses. Some of the ones we pray for are sitting in this room, but that business plan is undone because we got discouraged. 
Father, help us, oh God, to be back in our right places with you. And the only right place to be is in your will. So, Father, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, but ultimately we would walk faithful to you and fight against discouragement through the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord, because he is great and awesome. 